Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast, an extension of our adult Sunday school ministry and stories of grace. Pastor Brandon here, along with Pastor Steve. Hey there. And we are committed to utilizing this platform to continue our church's rich tradition of deep theological teaching through our adult Sunday school ministry. Though this unique season of following Jesus has not been without its share of challenges, we hope that you will tune in weekly to dive deeper into the scriptures as we hear from the vast array of teachers that we are blessed to call family here at Grace Church. Hello again, and welcome back to the Grace Church Podcast. So thankful to have you tuning in. Uh, Again, I have with me as a co-host, Pastor Tim, filling in for Pastor Steve. Hello. So thanks again, Tim, for doing that. Um, And we are back again with Mark Getz. We uh, took some time yesterday to talk about Jesus and his uh, really existential question, as you had talked about, to his disciples. First, who do you say that I am? And then that all, you know, culminated up to um, what does it profit a man if he loses his soul to gain the world? And so we want to just take a little bit more time. You had had some more questions that we could talk through to... Um, just expound on that a little bit more. And yeah. so, yeah, why don't you share with us just some some questions that you had that we can discuss together? Yeah, thanks, Brandon. We're just going to rethink uh, what we remember from that story. The first was when Jesus was walking along the road with his disciples asking, who do people say I am? And they said it was uh, either uh, John the Baptist or Elijah, one of the prophets raised from the dead. But he asked that key question, but who do you say that I am. And so as we think about that, um, and we try to bring it forward to today, made me wonder, um, how do you think people would answer that first question today? Who, or even the second question, how, how would they be answering it? Who would they say Jesus is? What do you think today's world would, would say? Because I don't think they would probably say, well, I think he's John the Baptist or he's <laughs> Elijah. I mean, that was a very Jewish answer for people who yes. understood the Jewish world worldview and, yeah. and what was happening there. Yeah. But uh, what's your thoughts on that? Man, my the first thing that jumps into my head is just that we're so influenced by our context, our cultural context, our cultural surroundings, that sometimes that plays into who we view Jesus as. I mean... Some people back in the 70s, I'm sure, viewed Jesus as like a, a wandering hippie, right? Because yeah. they were <laughs> surrounded by wandering hippies. <laughs> I mean, Jesus has long hair, right? And all the Sunday school pictures. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because Ruth and I were talking about this the other day. Now that we're 60, you're like, you know, Jesus, his group of followers, they were young kids. They were mm. in their 30s, you mm. know? They were really... My age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we're kind of like, would we listen to them? <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think generally you, you hear people say if they know anything about Jesus, he was a good good person, a good teacher. He was a Jewish rabbi. He was a zealot. He was an extremist. Um, you know, he fought for the people or he was just a good moral person yeah. that had a mission that God blessed him. He had some good things to say, but... Unfortunately, he ran up against the system, and the system got him. You know, died yeah. on, he, he, didn't, he didn't succeed in his mission. I've heard that. But, yeah, usually with some respect for what we have of the record of what Jesus has given us as a, as a teacher or a moral person of some kind. Yeah, even when you pose that question to 
even just people in the church, sometimes you get a really fuzzy answer back as to who who this Jesus was. Yeah, people today, I think because we come from uh, really naturalistic thinking in a lot of ways, they do shy away from the supernatural side of Jesus. He is a good teacher. He was a great leader. He was... Uh, uh, the starter of a religion. But uh, it's interesting to me that the people who actually saw him and were there mm-hmm. not only thought that he seemed more like one of the prophets who did miracles, but they thought even that he had been risen from the dead. I mean, they really had a very much more uh, supernatural view of those things. and uh, But they were faced with the fact that they could talk to the people that he healed. They really couldn't deny yes. his supernatural nature. They they were faced with that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So mm. it's an interesting question to think about because people are really different. Now, after Jesus, um, you know, had this conversation with his disciples, and they had kind of realized that when Peter answered, he's the Messiah. He's the Son of God, Living God. Uh, this is something I'm sure they'd all been thinking about and wondering. In fact, even when they first started following him, one of the things was we found the Messiah, and, and so, but they'd been watching him and, and doing these things, so the idea that he was the Messiah, this was really dominating their view now and thinking about it. And now Jesus reveals this game plan that we talked about, that, that uh, now the Son of Man's going to suffer, he's going to be rejected by the leaders, he's going to be arrested and killed, he's, then he's going to rise again. There's that rise again thing again. Uh, but that uh, really bothered Peter, and he pulled him aside and tried to talk him out of this crazy game plan. It's not a good game plan, just like the guy in Miracle. They tried to talk him out of his game plan, but... Uh, uh, he, had, he had to educate Jesus to yeah. help him understand a little better about how things were supposed to go. Yeah. Hold on, you don't understand what the Messiah is here to do, so... Let's get this straight. <laughs> I think we do that a lot, too. Kind of yeah, like, God, yeah. let me help you figure out what's going on there. Yeah, I think so. Um, so um, what do you think God's point of view is that Jesus is contrasting this with this human point of view? Um, and how would it look differently if we could capture and maintain that point of view? So really, he's saying you don't have God's point of view, but I don't know that I ever stop and think, how is God looking at my day? How is God looking at the world? Uh, I mean, not that I don't do some, but I don't think it's a dominant question that I have all the time. Uh, So what do you think God's point of view is that Jesus is contrasting? You want to start, Tim? Yeah, I just, one thing that came to my mind, uh, Mark, is that, you know, when he asked the question, who do you say I am, Peter answered, you know, and I've always remembered this from years ago, you are the Christ or you are the Messiah. And I've tended to think, yes, Peter, you got it right. You understood. Finally, it's been revealed to you. Um, But I'm wondering if uh, he might have meant by Messiah or the Christ or the anointed one, he might have been thinking more, you're the king who's coming Mm -hmm. to establish our kingdom that we're longing for. Um, And then... Jesus rebuke of him, or maybe maybe Peter was coming back to him and saying, but Jesus, this can't be true. You can't be suffering. You can't be rejected by the elders, the chief priests. They all have been pointing to you. You are going to save us. You're going to mm-hmm. overthrow, because he saw him as a king. And that's was was why Jesus said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. But as Jesus explains about the Son of Man, 
He's trying to help the disciples to see the Son of Man does not come first as a political, geopolitical king. He comes as one who denies himself, who suffers. And so, you know, I would answer uh, the way God's point of view is everything that Jesus comes to do to inaugurate is about a kingdom of giving, a kingdom of grace, a kingdom of suffering, a kingdom that is opposed to the power of the world, not first the king but the Son of Man who will represent God's glory by um, saving, by healing, by restoring. Uh, and so um, Peter's, Peter's response might have been a little bit like me. <laughs> you know, yes, Jesus, you come and conquer and, and make everything right and, and help me and let me be the vice president in your new kingdom for my benefit. But God's point of view is no, not about that, but about what it will do to transform people. Mm -hmm. out of his love and mercy. Yeah. Yeah, those are uh, amazing thoughts. Um, well, and I would I would think that, sorry to interrupt, no, I, I would think too that, you know, they, they had to have had the prophets in the back of their mind ringing through, uh, like Daniel 7, for instance, when we read about the Son of Man that, that says, you know, and to the Son of Man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all peoples and nations should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so there's just this difference of understanding what we're talking about there when we talk about a kingdom or a dominion. And kind of like Tim was saying, you know, they were hoping that this would be a geopolitical kind of movement, and and Jesus was actually getting at something <laughs> far different than that. That right. this is not going to be a uh, the, our power is not going to be a, a powering over kind of dominion. It's going to be a a power under dominion of coming beside underneath people and serving them. And um, so that's just where. Yeah, that's a good point, and it always it always made me wonder why. It's interesting that Jesus was so hard on Peter, mm. and then later on the Emmaus Road, he's kind of like peeved that people don't, don't you understand <laughs> that the Messiah had to suffer before he'd enter his glory? Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it was pretty clear that, no, people didn't understand it, and I think we have mm -hmm. trouble grasping that still today. It is interesting that he really wants us to have God's point of view, but we're really remedial. And uh, I think we should want to try and get God's point of view. And it would be amazing what our life would look like uh, when we wake up in the morning if we had God's point of view. Mm. I don't know if we'd be excited or terrified with it. <laughs> but again, it depends on whether we keep God's point of view as we face what God has Hopefully for us. Hopefully the excitement would scare me enough to do something about it. <laughs> Let me live today from God's point of view and everything uh, I do or say. Wow. Yeah. That's an awesome prayer to start your day off every Every yeah, day. that is. That's a great. That's a great application right there. Hmm. Um, so, but then with that prompt, uh, Jesus really calls everybody, kind of like, I just got to get you guys all up to speed here and let you understand that this game plan is not going to change, and that you guys got to be on board with this. And so that's where the challenge proposal that you identified, Brandon, um, that if anyone wants to be my disciple, he's got to turn from his selfish ways. Uh, he's got to take up his cross daily, which I really wonder how that sounded to them since they hadn't, they're not, they were on that side of, mm. of Golgotha, not our side, which it seems to make perfect sense to us, but I don't know what it sounded like to them. Um, and, and then follow me. Um, and so um, what, you notice how those things that he's asking his followers to do 
parallel what he's just proposed for himself as his game plan. So I want to think about that. What is the same and different about this proposal or challenge that he gives to his disciples and and to us? Um, how is that the same and different from the game plan that he had for himself in his final days? Got thoughts on that, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, when he says, you know, you, you, you're going to need to carry your cross, I mean, that's similar to what he demonstrated himself by carrying his cross up to Golgotha and and uh, dying, <laughs> losing his life. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's I think this is the point. If I was Peter, I would have taken him aside and said, are you sure you want to do that yeah. we want to do that too? Yeah. 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 The, the idea of denying myself jumps out at me. And in fact, just this week at our Wednesday evening adult prayer group, okay, folks, this is an unabashed plug. Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock, we have the Grace Adult Prayer Time Everybody is welcome. Zoom. The link is on your email. We'd love to have another 10 or 12 people. But in this particular occasion, the, the devotionals was done on this idea of denying yourself, of not demanding your rights. When Jesus said, if a, someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other. If someone makes you walk a mile, turn the other. And this is the sign of a follower of Jesus who denies their rights, what might be theirs, uh, to be justified. And I think the call for us is to deny ourselves just as Jesus denied himself in order to go to his cross. And he asks us that we take up our cross as a form of, mm -hmm. of denying ourselves so that we can be followers of Jesus. It's somebody who thinks of others, someone who wants God's glory to be revealed, wants God's uh, plan, God's uh, way of uh, game plan to uh, be accomplished in earth through his people. Mm -hmm. And we need to reflect Jesus' uh, way of operating in mm -hmm. that way as well. Yeah, I mean, it's which just reminds you of the great hymn of the ancient church that they used to sing from Philippians 2, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Just that idea of emptying yourself of your of your rights, of your rightful uh, ability to grasp that you are equal with God, and yet he saw that as not a thing to be exploited. He emptied himself. And so as you, as you talk about um, just relinquishing your rights, I mean, that's what pops into my mind is this idea that, that Christ had every right to uh, stomp his enemies out. Mm -hmm. And yet he didn't. He he came and he became a servant. He emptied himself of those rights. Yeah. It's fascinating to me in this time of election that we're in right now. Um, this is a seems like a really poor platform for getting people to vote for you. <laughs> it, it seems quite poor. <laughs> it's like there's no way you're going to win this one. <laughs> if, if these are the kind of challenges, if you say what I'm going to do is going to end up this way and be this hard. And by the way, if you want to be my follower, it's going to be the same for you. Come die with me, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, our platform is one that's going to end at Calvary. Let's go. <laughs> and still, even with this poor marketing plan, it, uh, it still um, turned the world around uh, with these guys. And uh, they bought into it, and they brought it along, and People are still buying into it today, um, not because people are thrilled about the idea of turning from our selfish ways, 
Um, not because we're thrilled about the idea of taking up our cross every day, whatever that means in today's world. Um, following Jesus is a hard thing to do that doesn't match with just our normal natures. And still, with all of that, um, it's impossible to ignore this man and what he says. And um, as we think about that, the reason is because of the logic that he gives after this to show him why this marketing plan isn't so bad. <laughs> and uh, so he starts talking about uh, what, do you, what are you going to do if you gain the whole world? And lose your soul is the mm. uh, what's the phrase the the missionary that went to um, uh, South America kind of paraphrased this he's how's that go he is oh, no yeah. fool do you remember that one he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep for that oh, to gain that to which gain he cannot lose cannot lose that's yeah, right that's yeah. what it is that's I believe. what it is yeah. Mm. But Mark on this very verse a uh, little history here uh, so we were missionaries in Botswana. There was a quite a famous gospel singer, Ponakedi, and he had a hit album in that part of the world, and the title was this song off of this mm. verse, and let me impress you with my Setswana. It goes like this. <laughs> and it's simply, what does it help if you get the whole world but you lose your soul? And then in the song, what he does is he goes and he starts asking people in different parts of the country. Now, there's only 1.7 million people in the whole country, and there's only about seven major cities. So he actually covers it north to south, and he pretty much talks to everybody. He says, Maun, what is it going to help you? Francistown, anybody there going to be helped? Palapi, you know, Lobatsi, Ramotswana. And he names them, and then everybody who's listening to this, oh, yeah, he's talking to me, and basically mm. he covers the whole country with this phrase that says, Hotusayin, what's it going to help? How are you going to be helped if you get the whole world, but you lose your soul in the process? It was a very powerful mm. song for our time That's based neat. on this very verse. That's Morton. very cool. Morton, what are you going to gain? Yeah. Washington, yeah. Peoria. <laughs> what are you going to gain? That's, yeah. that's, that's the question. And what does Jesus think will happen to people who don't follow him? Well, I think you're going to lose your life, is one way he puts it. Mm, you're going to lose your life. If you don't follow him, you'll lose your life. Yeah, you can, you can have it all and, and have nothing at the yeah. same time. <laughs> that, that really is the focus of the plan. That is God's point of view. That's why all this plan was put into action and why it was worth doing all this for and, and uh, going through all this because he cares about our souls. And he knows that if we don't follow him, yeah. because the, the rescue plan is focused on him, and if we don't follow him, so what? What if we gain the whole world? Because the question, the <clears throat> focus of this is, what is worth more than your soul? I like the way the following verse says, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You hear of people saying, oh, I just wish, you know, I would give everything. I would give anything if I could get that, or I would give anything if I could take that back. And that apparently will be the question that people ask when they're at the moment, when they realize that they did not make the choice 
to give everything for the sake of the Lord, that they were not willing to give up everything for the sake of their life. And that will be a, a sorry day when people realize there is absolutely nothing that I can exchange, that I can substitute, that I can pay mm -hmm. for my soul. There's only an opportunity now by embracing what God offers us in life with him. It's such a challenge to whatever value system we hold. Mm. Everybody has a value system. They value different things. Mm. But this is the challenge, the ultimate challenge to do you have a value system that makes sense mm -hmm. in the long run? Mm -hmm. And yeah. a worldview. Yeah. Yeah. A point of view. There you go. That's it. Yeah. And when do they find out? When do we find out if we've chosen wisely? <laughs> When the Son of Man uh, comes in the glory with his Father and his angels, it yeah. sounds. <laughs> and you have to just have a bigger view. You have to have God's point of view that's bigger in terms of value system and bigger in terms of beyond our lifespan. Uh, because uh, if you don't have a bigger view than that, then honestly, it doesn't make much sense. But I think we all deep down know that life is more than what we see here and now and what we have in our hands now. And people that are facing, you know, times where they're looking at a diagnosis that puts mm -hmm. them at risk or when things are, are mm -hmm. going downhill, that's when they start realizing, wait, have I looked at things mm -hmm. broadly enough? Is my value system gonna carry me? Do I have a long-term view of this? Mm -hmm. Those are really tough questions. Mm -hmm. What are what are some good pointers along the way that you can kind of know? Hey, am I am I gaining more of the world here, or am I gaining more of Christ here? What are what are some ways that you can know which which way you're you're going mm -hmm. uh, in your daily living or your daily decisions? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, if if there was a timeometer, how much time do you spend on what? You know, I think if you're spending a lot of time on what is it that you're giving the, 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 the lion's share of your time on? Is it, is it a certain kind of reading? Is it stuff? Is it, is it uh, you know, online things? I think, you know, people say your checkbook will tell you who you really mm -hmm. give, what, what your values are, the money. Your, your time will tell you what your value is for how you want to spend it on what's important. Um, I think what you invest in your free time, your off time, your fun time, I think that's one way. Just to take a, take a look every once in a while and say, how much energy am I putting into this? And is this part of what's growing me as a disciple? Is this feeding me? Is this helping me? Am I serving? Um, that'd just be one kind of a check way to look at how we're doing, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I think that the, the view of of that really drove the start of the game plan back when he chose Abraham and said, uh, you know, I want you to leave your uh, your country and your people and your family, and I want you to go to a place you show. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bless you, and all the world will be blessed through you. This idea that God's whole plan, really, when you look at the bigger game plan, not just Jesus's game plan for the final days, but the bigger game plan, is to bless the world and. Mm -hmm. And to be invested in being a part of that blessing of mm. other of the people and and helping them to um, to find that same value. It's a great that is so true. Thing. I was going to just as a my final thought here is what what you've done for me, Mark, is challenge me personally on the first question. How would people today answer the first question? Who is Jesus? 
um, the ones who were there gave him the highest accolade they could think of. A prophet like Elijah, one of the most popular, John the Baptist, who Jesus says no man is greater except, you know, than him on earth. Um, what is different from the people who actually saw him today? Well, they haven't seen him. They only hear. But my challenge is we've seen Jesus. We've experienced him. We understand the blessing. And my thought was, are people going to be able to see who Jesus is through me, by my words, by my actions, through the life I give, through my denial of my own self? I have the opportunity to let people today who've only heard of Jesus and haven't seen him and witnessed the miracles and the teaching that the first century did. It's not only my, my joy, but my responsibility to be that witness so people can understand who Jesus is. It's a challenge to me to live that kind of life that denies myself, takes up my cross, so that people can, as you just said, receive the blessing that we have experienced and that God brings to all people. Yeah, and it's sometimes hard to grasp how to do that, but when you sit and say, well, who has blessed me in my life? Then you can see what people that are blessing other people, you experience it yourself, mm -hmm. then that helps you grasp how, well, then why can't I turn around and do that for other people? Kind of just to wrap up, you kind of gave your wrap up here. What's the main idea you think Jesus is trying to get across to his followers? What's the core out of all these questions and proposals and challenges? Um, can you kind of get a feel for what is it that Jesus wants to get across as he's introduced this game plan of what he's going to do to his disciples? What is it that he wants these followers to grasp? I would just summarize that. Well, so I've, I've been reading a book lately, and, and one of the quotes in it that has just stuck with me, uh, it, kind of, it kind of answers your question, I think. Mm. And so I'd love, I'd love to just read this quote, because um, the quote is, Jesus does not call us to do what he did, but to be as he was, permeated with love. And then the doing of what he did and said become just the natural expression of who we are in him. And that's something that's just been ringing through my head, you know, uh, for how, how many years back did we have those bracelets that we all used to wear, the WWJD, <laughs> what would Jesus do? And, and this author is saying, well, that's not really the question, what would Jesus do, period. The question is, what would Jesus do if he were living your life? And so mm. as you are trying to um, be as he was in, in this life that you have been blessed with, um, that's going to look different for different people, I think. Um, Tim, when you wake up in the morning, how can you be as Jesus was? Mm -hmm. Mark, when you wake up in the morning, how can you be as Jesus was? And I, that's been a question that I've been asking myself as I wake up where we live uh, uh, with my wife and my two boys, how can I be as Jesus was? Um, and then as I continue to live into that more and more, just... Mm -hmm the natural expression of who he was will just become more who I am. And so that's kind of been my hope and my prayer lately. And so I like that. That's very good. That's challenging. Yeah, just uh, I think Jesus is inviting us to come and follow him. He wants people to come after him, but he wants them to recognize that if they do, there's a certain way this is going to work. Uh, yes, he's son of God. Yes, he's Messiah. There will be power and glory, but the way to that final revelation of his glory and power and his place as uh, the king of heaven and earth is through a, 
a way that's called denying oneself, picking up a cross of sacrifice, serving others. I think he wants to challenge us to, as hard as that might seem, as complicated as that might be intellectually, that there is no other better life. If you try to save it some other way, you'll lose it. If you want to save your life, give it up for him. Follow him. Learn who he is. Be a disciple of him, and you will find joy. You'll find peace, and ultimately you will find a destiny of eternal joy with him. That's awesome. Thanks for helping us explore this passage today, guys. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. Mark. Thanks for being here with us. The Grace Church Podcast is a product of Grace Church in Morton, Illinois. For more information about Grace Church, please visit us online at gracemorton.org. Thanks so much for listening. I want to remind you that we'll have the next Sunday School episode ready for you this Sunday morning. And until then, may the grace and peace of Christ be with you. Thank you.